Welcome back to the Jordan Side Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This is officially the 984th take that I've done trying to record this podcast episode. Because every time I get about one to two minutes in, and then I have my own internal Karen dialogue, where basically my own internal Karen will start saying things like, Jordan, you suck. No one cares. This is a terrible podcast. And I'm only one or two minutes in, but then I hit stop and stamp around my kitchen for a minute and then start all over again. So I've decided no matter what comes out of my mouth, no matter what I say, this is going to be the final product of this episode. And hopefully for your sake and for my sake and for the sake of my Apple podcast reviews, it's a good one, but we'll see. Um, Actually, um, you know me, I ramble all the time. So if you're a content creator, And if you struggle with worrying about what people think and you struggle with putting out content, take this to be, to be a lesson in understanding it's better to put something out than to put nothing out at all. Right. And also take this in as a lesson in knowing that someone who's been doing this since July of 2011, who has a relatively large audience across various social media platforms, I still get worried about the content I put out. I still care about what people think about me. It's still nerve wracking every single time I hit publish on Instagram, every time I record a podcast, every time I make a YouTube video, I get worried about it every time. And I think uh, if nothing else, if you get nothing else from this podcast, I hope that this will help you, whether you're a content creator or not, in understanding it's okay to care about what people think about you. It's just not okay to let that prevent you from doing whatever you need to do or doing what you want to do. Right. So I'm going to put this podcast out and hopefully it's good. But if it's not, sucks to suck, Jordan. <laughs> At least you tried. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And specifically, my first Brazilian Jiu Jitsu competition, which I just had right around a month ago now. And I'll say from the outset, I did not do well. I won my first match and I lost my second match. And because this was a single elimination tournament, as soon as I lost my second match, I was out. I couldn't compete anymore, which sucked. But I want to talk about it because there are some pros and cons to all of it. Now, before I go into the actual competition, I sort of just want to give you some background into how I got into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, why I chose Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu over other things like boxing or Muay Thai or other self-defense arts, how I prepared for the tournament, what it was like actually competing, and then what's happened since the tournament. Because I think even regardless of whether or not you do jujitsu, I think there might be some takeaways here for you to implement into your life to help you achieve your goals in whatever they may be. And also, selfishly, I hope that from listening to this, people decide to try Brazilian jujitsu. And if not Brazilian jujitsu, maybe boxing or Muay Thai or kickboxing, some form of self-defense. I'm so passionate about that. And I've been talking about it a little bit more recently on my Instagram stories, but I'm such a huge believer in people learning self-defense, both men and women. It could not be more important, obviously for your own personal health and safety and the health and safety of your family. But I think just mentally and emotionally, it does something to an individual when they know how to protect themselves and they know how to defend themselves. One of my all-time favorite quotes, and I didn't expect to go on this tangent, but I think it's worth it. One of my all-time favorite quotes, I don't know who said it, is, I would rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. I'm going to say that one more time. I would rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. 
And the way that I have interpreted this quote is basically saying, I would rather be prepared and not need it than not be prepared and need it, right? So I know a lot of people are saying like, Why, what do you pretend fighting for? What are you learning how to fight for? Do you think this is going to happen? It's like, well, I sincerely hope not. But God forbid I ever do need to defend myself or my family or a friend or a loved one. I would way rather be prepared and know what to do than not be prepared. And I also know a lot of people are worried about taking a self-defense class, doing jujitsu, doing wrestling, doing Muay Thai, doing kickboxing, and getting injured. And it's a valid fear and concern. What I would say to that is, number one is, you can get hurt doing anything. You can you can get hurt deadlifting in the gym. You can get hurt dropping a 45-pound plate on your foot. You can get hurt walking down the stairs, right? So you can get hurt doing any number of things. Now, in fairness, getting hurt taking self-defense classes is common. You're not like blowing out your knees and cranking your shoulders. It's a very safe and controlled environment. But of course, there's going to be injuries just like in any sport or any extracurricular activity. It's just even not an extracurricular activity, even just walking down the street, you can get hurt, stub a toe, right? Things happen. That being said, I would way rather get hurt in a controlled environment taking a self-defense class than get hurt in a situation in which I need to know self-defense and I don't know what to do and I have no control over what the person attacking me is doing, right? So in an ideal world, we would be able to do live, we will be able to live and do everything without getting hurt in any situation, right? But that's just, that's just not reality. So if the reason you're not taking a self-defense class or doing jujitsu or Muay Thai or kickboxing or something is because you're scared of getting hurt, you are far less likely to get hurt doing one of those classes in a controlled environment than you are in a real life scenario. And I would say you're equally likely to get hurt doing a self-defense class as you are in the gym, whether it's doing hit high intensity interval training, whether you're deadlifting, squatting, overhead pressing, doing chin-ups, getting nagging pains and aches from just weightlifting and strength training. It's probably equal, equally as likely. If you're an athlete, if you play soccer, lacrosse, anything like that, you're probably more likely to get injured from doing one of those sports than you are from taking self-defense classes. So just a random spiel. This would be where I'd my internal Karen is like, shut up, Jordan. What are you talking about? No one cares about this. So I'm going to keep going. Anyway, why did I get into jujitsu? Why did I choose Brazilian jujitsu over something like Muay Thai or kickboxing? There's a lot of reasons, but it really starts from my childhood. So I started wrestling at eight years old and wrestling and jujitsu are very similar. They're not the same, but they're very similar, both grappling sports. And the reason I got into wrestling is because my mom wanted my brother and I to be able to defend ourselves, which I think it's one of the best things she ever did for us, especially for me. I think for my brother too, but I don't want to speak. Uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth. For me, putting me into wrestling was one of the best things my mom ever did. And it completely changed my life forever. I will say, I remember when I was eight years old, my mom walked into the living room where my brother and I were sitting and she told us, she was like, I'm going to put both of you in wrestling. And <laughs> the only wrestling I knew at that point in my life was WWF and WWE, like hitting people with chairs and the rock and the undertaker and all of that. So I remember I looked at my mom and I, I very honestly asked her, I was like, you want me to hit someone with a chair? She was like, no, you idiot. I don't want you to hit someone with a chair. I want you to do Olympic style wrestling. So at eight years old, I started wrestling. 
And I absolutely fell in love with it. And it, it, when I say it changed my life, I mean it really changed my life. It kicked any and all ego I had right out the window. It humbled me incredibly. And the amazing thing about it is the better you get at it, sort of like with strength training, the better you get, the harder it gets. The better you get in wrestling, the better you get in jujitsu, the better you get in any of these sports, the more competitive it becomes, the more difficult opponents you face and the harder and harder it gets. Same thing with weightlifting, right? The better, the stronger you get, like you might add a hundred, 200 pounds to your deadlift in the first couple of years of strength training. But after that, it's going to be significantly less year after year after year. And it's going to get harder and harder and harder to add weight to your deadlift. So that for me was one of the best parts about wrestling is it had this built in progression model where it got harder and harder and harder. I ended up making varsity as a freshman. I beat a junior out for the varsity spot and I continually kept facing better and better opponents all the way through senior year in high school. And I very much believe that wrestling made me a better person, a more humble person, uh, far lower. I definitely still have an ego, but far less of an ego. And just like in any martial art, I think it's really helped me learn how to respect people better and to be kinder to people, which I think it might sound, um, almost counterintuitive, especially in today's culture in which we see mixed martial arts and UFC fighters like trash talking to each other. That's more marketing, unfortunately. If you walk into any any jujitsu gym or Muay Thai gym or kickboxing gym or self-defense gym, everyone is so polite and so kind and so humble. After every single class, you all bow to each other, shake every person's hand. It's it's a really wonderful community. So wrestling is how I got into jujitsu from wrestling. It's a very natural progression to go into jujitsu. And you see a lot of former wrestlers going into jujitsu because there's not much in wrestling as you get older for jujitsu. There's, there's plenty and there's a lot of classes all over the country and the world. So I decided to go into jujitsu and it was very nostalgic for me. I think, uh, Nostalgia is a very interesting emotion, right? And if you look at sales and marketing tactics, nostalgia is like one of the most powerful ways to sell something, right? If you want to, if you really want to get someone to buy something that you have to offer, find a way to, to make it tie into nostalgia, something that they, they really, uh, remember from their youth and from when they were younger. And so for me, stepping on the jujitsu mats brought a whole very powerful feeling of nostalgia back to when I was stepping on the wrestling mats, sort of like, um, I would imagine most of us have this idea. If I were to give you the image of stepping out into the summer on a grassy field and breathing in this freshly cut grass, like freshly cut lawn, you can smell, you can probably like sense what that would smell like right now. Maybe how your skin would feel. Maybe like, maybe you have a specific lawn in mind of like what, what lawn was freshly cut. What are you stepping out on there? Or do you have bare feet? You can feel the sun beating down on you. What are you wearing? Like, what does it feel like? We all have that type of emotion when we think about that feeling, that thought process. When we think about a freshly cut lawn, that's, what it felt like when I stepped on the jujitsu mats for the first time ever since I was a kid, right? I started jujitsu about a year ago. And the first time I got on those mats, I had that same rush and feeling of emotions and nostalgia. So, and that's what it's been like ever since every single day I get on those mats and it's just this huge nostalgic feeling that I'm super grateful and fortunate to have. And, um, I've just been obsessed with it ever since. And 
before I go into the whole tournament and, and everything like that, I, I do want to say, I, sh- I do want to give my two cents in regard to self-defense, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, boxing. Like, let's say you're listening and you're like, okay, I, I'm convinced. I, I want to do some type of self-defense. I want to I want to learn how to defend myself or my family. I want to learn something. Where do I begin? Obviously, I'm biased, but I think Jiu-Jitsu is the best place to start, whether you're talking about your child a six, seven, eight-year-old kid, or yourself, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. I think jujitsu is the best place to begin. There are many reasons why I think this, but I will say one of the foremost reasons is because most fights, most altercations end up on the ground, right? If you watch any like street fight videos, and I'm not encouraging you to go watch those, but generally speaking, if you watch any street fights, you understand most fights go to the ground. You might have a couple standing shots, but they go to the ground. And in the movies, they make it seem like one punch knocks someone out. That's not how things work. If you watch one boxing match, you know it. If you knock someone out with one punch, that's a hell of a punch, and it's very rare. They actually have a term for it. It's called the puncher's chance, right? Where it's like if if someone gets you with a really good punch and happens to knock you out, well, that'll be very lucky. But most of the time, even if you get hit, you're not going out from one punch. You're going to go to the ground, and that's where the fight begins. Or I shouldn't say that's where the fight begins. The fight begins standing up, but that's where the fight then progresses to is on the ground. And jujitsu, it's a ground sport, similar to wrestling. It's a ground sport. And if you can control your opponent on the ground, it doesn't matter how good of a boxer or a kickboxer someone is. If they're on the ground, they're pun- they can't do much. If you can control them, if you can control the distance and prevent them from getting any kicks or punches off, you win. And maybe winning is just waiting until more people can get there to separate you, to keep yourself safe. Maybe winning is waiting until the authorities get there. Like maybe someone's in a crowd and, you know, and they're, they're trying to threaten someone and, and you can subdue them. You, can, you don't have to knock them out. You don't have to, you don't have to punch them in the face. You can just control them until other people arrive to then bring down the situation. That often is really what self-defense is. It's not, it's not beating the other person to a pulp. It's de-escalating the situation until other people are, can arrive to then make the situation safe. And that's really why I think jujitsu is so, so critical and so important because it allows you to get control of the situation. It allows you to control the, the other person without necessarily doing any, any massive damage to them and without them either damaging you or damaging other people. So that's why I think jujitsu is, is such a great martial art and such a great place to begin for someone looking to get into self-defense. Anyway, now that I've rambled way more than I anticipated, let's talk about my competition. So started jujitsu about a year ago, and I actually signed up for my first competition to be in March of 2020. But the competition was canceled about two weeks before it was supposed to happen because of the coronavirus and the whole pandemic. So that didn't happen. And actually, it turned out to be a good thing looking back because I was not nearly as prepared as I as I think I should have been for my first competition. So first competition was supposed to be in March, didn't happen. Things started to open back up again, started doing some private jujitsu lessons in June. And I started training six times a week in June with my professor, Rafael Costa at Henzo Gracie Academy. I think jujitsu is quite honestly the the thing that has gotten me through the whole pandemic. I've been training just one-on-one with my coach, Rafael Costa, and just training with him 
throughout this entire pandemic has been the thing that's kept me sane and happy. It's uh, it's allowed me to get my exercise in without needing to be in a gym. It's allowed me to have goals and to focus on something to improve outside of just simply my physique. And I'm both literally and figuratively a white belt in it. He's a black belt and he has given me the opportunity to just be a complete and utter beginner. I know nothing. There are zero expectations on me other than to show up and to give my best. He doesn't expect me to be amazing. He just expects me to work and to work hard and to commit and to be consistent and to give it my best. And after working with, his name's Rafael, but I call, I call him Hafa. After working with Hafa for uh, June, July, August, and around August, he said, hey, there's a big competition coming up in October. Do you want to do it? And this is literally one of the biggest competitions in the entire year. It's called the Pan Ams, the Pan American Championships. And he's like, this is a really big competition for you to do for your first one. But I think I, I, I think you can do really well in it. Either way, I think that it's a good experience for you to try. And it was interesting. As soon as he said it, before he even finished asking, I was like, yes, I'm in. Sign me up. And I sort of relate it to a lot of people ask me about powerlifting competitions. A lot of people will say, I don't think I'm ready to do my first powerlifting competition yet. I want to get stronger. And and I always laugh. I'm always like, listen, if you were just going to run a 5K, like a charity 5K, if you could run a whole 5K, but you just wanted to run a charity 5K, like a race for charity, you wouldn't say, I I don't think I'm ready yet. I think I need to get faster. You just enter the 5K and you would do it because your only goal is to improve on yourself is for you to get better is for you to challenge yourself and for you to improve you don't need to get better before you can compete you can just enter and you can go and then from there you can you can work to improve so same thing with powerlifting i would always tell people that you don't you don't need to get stronger before you compete just the act of competing is going to make you stronger it's going to be a a really amazing experience that you can work to build off of every competition you go to So before he even finished asking if I wanted to do this competition, I was like, yes, sign me up. Now, (laughs) I will say from the moment that I signed up for that competition, my nerves skyrocketed. And and I, I cannot be more serious when I tell you that from the moment I signed up for that competition, I didn't get a good night's sleep from August until October. Every night, before I would go to bed, my heart would be racing and be like, boom, 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 boom. I could feel my heart beating out of my chest because I was just thinking about the competition, about the match, like how it was going to go. And every morning, the first thing I thought about as soon as I would wake up, boom, 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 hearts going crazy was the matches. That's all I could think about for the entire time from August to October. And uh, I remember I would talk to Hoff. I'd be like, I am petrified about this competition. I was fully honest about it. And it's interesting because, you know, I spent my uh, 10 years of my childhood from 8 to 18 years old competing in wrestling. You would think that I would be a little bit more okay with the nerves. I was not. I was absolutely petrified. Now, it was funny. I was thinking about why was I so petrified? Why, why, why was I so nervous about this competition? What about it really freaked me out? I wasn't nervous about getting hurt. I wasn't nervous about actually competing. I realized after the whole competition, I realized, and you might think this this sounds weird, but it's true and be very honest with you. The reason I was petrified about this competition is because I made it public and I was worried about what literally you listening to this right now would think about me if I lost. And that, that sort of blew me away when I actually realized it and vocalized that being my fear. 
I wasn't worried about getting hurt. Truly and honestly, I was not worried about getting hurt. I didn't, I wasn't worried about losing. And the reason I know that it was more about what you thought of me rather than about what I thought about me is because if I didn't make it public on Instagram that I was competing, my nerves would have been minimal at best, like absolutely, like so low. And this is actually what I used to do in wrestling. I would never let my mom or any of my girlfriends or my friends come to watch me compete in wrestling. I would never let it. And I would say when I was younger, I'd say, no, like it just gets in my head. I don't like it. I just need to be by myself. And I guess that's partly true. It would impact my performance. It would get in my head. But now with a much larger social media audience, putting it out to the public, I'm putting it out to 700,000 people on Instagram. Like it became a very real fear that people were going to think less of me if I didn't do well at this competition. Now you might be listening and being like either a, this podcast sucks and or B like, why would I care if you win or lose the competition? Like I support you either way, which I would appreciate very much. But as you and I both know, sometimes our fears, they're not logical, right? And we can be our own harshest critic. So I do think it's important to be for, I think it's important for me to be very clear and honest with you and let you know that's why I was nervous. I was nervous because I put so much pressure on myself to perform because I was worried about what other people would think if I didn't do well. And uh, that I just thought was very interesting. And I don't really even have a takeaway other than just telling you that's the truth about how I felt. Now, I trained so hard for this competition, I can't even begin to tell you. I trained six days a week with my coach Hoffa for jujitsu. And then I would work out, strength train about three to four times a week on top of it. And my nutrition was just on point. It was dialed. I'm thinking about making a, a YouTube video about it. I'm not sure if people really would be interested. If you would, tell me. Uh, leave a comment. Send me a, a message on Instagram. Actually, yeah, let's do that. If, if you'd like me to make a video about my nutrition for my jujitsu competition, send me a message on Instagram at S-Y-A-T-T fitness and let me know. Uh, I, I basically, I lost 20 pounds from June until October. I went from 160 pounds to 140 pounds. And it's been about a month since I competed. I've still been maintaining 140 pounds. It's been very easy for me to maintain since then. But my training and my nutrition, everything, it was dialed more than it had been since I was a competitive power lifter. So I was putting everything, everything that I could into this. And, and my coach was super, super appreciative and happy with how hard I was working in. And even more importantly, I was appreciative of it. You know, I, I hadn't trained this hard or really put this much effort or time or thought or care into my own training since I was a competitive powerlifter. Ever, all of my effort in the last few years has been going towards the inner circle and inner circle members and clients and, and, my business, not my own personal health and fitness and training. So it was really great to get back into that. But how hard I was training on top of sort of making it public, I put a lot of pressure on myself in order to, to do the best that I could because I was fearful about what people would think if I didn't do well. And I also, I, I wanted to do well so that people watching, like, so for everyone on Instagram would be like, oh, wow, he did well. Like, that was sick, right? Like I wanted that from an ego perspective, which I think is not a, a good mindset to be in, but I'm just telling you the truth about how I felt. So let's talk about the day of the competition. Well, right before the competition, 
it's really interesting. I would say several hours before my nerves were at its peak. And if, I don't know if you remember, you probably don't. I was not on Instagram for about the day and a half leading up to the competition. I was like, I'm getting off. I don't want to be on Instagram. I don't want to post. I don't want to see what anyone is saying. I just, I need to be doing my own thing. And I think that actually helped, but I was super nervous leading up to the first, the first fight. Interestingly, as soon as they called my name, as soon as I heard my name over the loudspeaker, the nerves went away, right? And this is in a huge auditorium, huge auditorium with thousands of people. As soon as they said my name, nerves went away. And I was feeling great. And I was happy and excited. It was like being back in the wrestling tournament days. Got out on the mat. I went against my first opponent, shook his hand, and I beat him 35 to nothing. Now, that was a, a really, really great showing. I performed very well in that fight. Um, 35 to nothing is a, is a pretty pretty uh, definitive victory. Most jujitsu fights, they end like 2 nothing or 4-2 or maybe 6 nothing. but very rarely do you see a 35 to nothing type score. So that, was, that felt great, and I was really excited about it. The next match that I had, this is interesting. <laughs> he was a great fighter. And uh, bef- actually, before I even tell you about the fight I had with him, he went on to almost win the entire tournament. He was in the finals. He was fighting for gold. And he was disqualified with 16 seconds left. He was had 16 seconds left in his fight. He was winning. And he did an illegal move. And he was immediately disqualified, uh, which really sucked because I was, I was rooting for him because he did a phenomenal job. So he, he was going to win the entire thing, except for 16 seconds remaining in the final fight. He, he was disqualified. So I go into this fight against this kid, and he's great. I can tell immediately he, it's going to be a tough fight. It's, he's significantly more aggressive than the first guy that I went against. And uh, he shot on me. He tried to take me down. And I blocked him and then I reshot and I took him down. And a shot is just you you basically dive in on someone's legs and try and take them down. It's a wrestling term. So I shot in on him and I took him down and I scored two points. And I was the only person in the entire tournament to actually score on him. Right. So I was even though he made it all the way to the finals, no one else scored on him. So I took him down and I made a critical mistake. I made a critical, critical mistake that I didn't realize at the time. But because of one small positioning error of my own body, he then got out from underneath me and we stood back up. So I scored two points, but I lost control of him. So we stood back up. And I'll go back to this in a minute, but it's a really important point to remember. I made a critical, critical mistake just based on one small positioning of my body. He got out from underneath me. We stood back up. Then he shoots on me. I block it. I shoot on him and I take him down, but... I make another mistake. This time he capitalizes on it. And I'm not going to go into detail, but basically he gets me in what's called an arm bar, which is where he has the ability to break my arm. Now, I remember being in the situation, my arm being fully extended. And, and for whatever it's worth, you, you remember these moments as though they last for a very long time. When you watch the video, it lasts for hardly a couple seconds, but in the moment you feel like it takes a lifetime. And he had control of my arm. He was actively trying to break my arm as he should. It's a competition. That's what he's there to do. And I sat there knowing there's no way I'm going to get out of this. And for a split second, I vividly remember thinking, I'm just going to let him break my arm. 
which I know sounds stupid. It is stupid. But (laughs) in the heat of the moment, I was literally in my head, I was like, I'm going to let him break my arm because I didn't want to tap out. I didn't want to say I quit because that's what tapping out is, right? When you tap out before someone either chokes you out or breaks your leg or breaks your arm, you're, you're quitting. And the whole point of that is to keep yourself safe. You tap out so that you don't break a limb. You tap out so that you don't break your leg. So you don't break your ankle. So you don't get choked out. But I remember thinking, you know what? Screw it. I, I got, I got myself in this position. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to let him finish. And fortunately, the more logical part of me was like, okay, that's being stupid. Tap out. And I tapped out. I didn't let him break my arm. Thank God. I think that's actually an important thing to consider because I think a lot of times, I actually spoke about this in a recent solo podcast that I did, sort of the concept of quitting. If I had let him break my arm, I would have been out of jujitsu for at least eight, 12 weeks. I wouldn't have been able to train for two to three months. But because I swallowed my ego and I tapped out and I quit, I walked away 100% healthy. No injuries, nothing. I was training literally the next day. No problems whatsoever. And actually, if you didn't listen to my most recent podcast that I did solo, I think it was called uh, um, something about knowing when to quit. I think it's an important concept to understand. This whole idea of winners never quit and quitters never win, it's not really true. You have to know when to quit. And I'm glad that in that situation, I knew when to quit. I knew that it was okay to tap out and not get my arm broken. Now, I want to go back to the part where I made a mistake, right? So I lost that match. I was immediately disqualified from the tournament. And I would say for the first 20 to 30 minutes, I was really upset about it. I wasn't, I'm not the kind of guy to walk off the mat and throw stuff in the stands and be angry. I shook his hand. I gave him a big hub, hug. I wished him luck in the rest of the tournament. I cheered for him. Uh, he actually, he didn't speak English. So I was talking with his coaches and they would translate it for me. But um, I was really disappointed because I knew I made a mistake. And I told you how the first time I took him down based on a slight positioning error, just very small positioning error, I let him escape and I let him stand up. And even now in this moment, I'm like, man, what would have happened if I didn't make that mistake? If I just kept control of him, I could have won that match. And I very strongly believe I could have. And I know that if I go against him in the future, and I hope I do, I will not make that mistake again. And this is one of the major points I really want to hit on right now is literally no less than an hour after I lost that match, I walked up to my coach and I said, I had the video of my match. I said, here's the mistake that I made. How do I fix that? And we started working on that immediately, immediately. And I, I'm going to hammer this home for a second because this is going to apply to everything, to things far outside of simply jujitsu. As soon as we got home the following day, that was the first thing we worked on, that mistake that I made. And we spent the next four sessions, the next, literally, so each session is 60 minutes, We spent the next four sessions, 60 minutes each, solely drilling that one mistake. And when I first started, when we first started drilling it, I was terrible at it. It was no wonder that he got out and escaped because I kept making the same mistake over and over and over again. By the end of four days of drilling that, I feel super good. And it's now been about a month since I competed and no one has caught me with that mistake since. Even today, I trained earlier today. That so the guy I was going against, his name is Peter. He tried doing that move on me. 
didn't let it happen because I've been doing exactly what we drilled to prevent, to counter that move. I think this is so, so important because the reality is even though I didn't win the competition, I didn't even come close to winning. I didn't even get third place, right? I didn't place. I didn't get a medal. Even though I didn't win, I am now significantly better because I competed than I would have been if I didn't compete. And this is something that, that I think is so critically, crucially important in our life. This is one of the reasons why I think self-imposed competition, if nothing else, is so helpful to improving you in any and every way. Because if I had never competed, I wouldn't have known that that's a mistake that I, that I was making. I wouldn't have known that that's a really uh, critical error in my jujitsu game. And I wouldn't have known that I need to spend time working on it. I'm sure eventually at some point in my jujitsu career, I would have gotten to that point. But because I, I went and competed and because I recorded my match and because I didn't spend too much time dwelling and I immediately went over to my coach and said, hey, can you help me work on this? We spent hours and hours and hours drilling it and now I'm a better jujitsu player for it. I am now a better fighter for it. I now am smarter for it. And this is, I think, one of the most important concepts to really understand is if you lose, but don't use that loss as an opportunity to learn, then you've just magnified how bad that loss actually is. But if you lose and use that loss to make yourself better, you are now infinitely better than you were before that loss. So literally that loss has now made you better because you took the time to learn from it and implement from it and get better because of it. And it doesn't take a genius to understand how this can apply to literally everything in life, whether it's nutrition, whether it's strength training, whether it's jujitsu, whether it's families, relationships. We're all gonna have things that we face that we lose. We're all gonna have things that we face in which we come up short, in which we don't do what we know we should have done and we make a silly, stupid mistake. It is then your responsibility to analyze the mistake that you made and do everything in your power to make sure it never happens again. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to do this specific podcast is literally because of this one moment, because of that moment where I made that stupid mistake I analyzed it on video and immediately went back to fix it and have spent since hours drilling that one movement, that one position where that guy got an underhook on me, stood back up and escaped. And that, that literally might've cost me the whole match. And who knows, maybe the whole tournament as a result of it, but I couldn't be happier that it happened because I am now net better as a result of it, significantly better as a result of it. The other thing I want to talk about here is I spoke about how I was upset for, I don't know, 30 minutes, an hour after the, after the match. But that was it. I didn't spend five hours, 24 hours, 48 hours a week just dwelling and, and being upset about the loss, right? And I know that <laughs> there are a lot of people who are, they're, they're sore losers, right? When something happens, they, they get so mad and so upset and they dwell on it and they blame other people. And they take so long to recover from their loss, they take so long to recover from their loss that they've just wasted so much time that could have been spent improving to prevent a, a loss in the future, to actually be spent getting better. 
I think this is this is something a lot of people have to be very objective about and something I think a lot of people can improve on is shortening the refractory period between failures. Right? This is something I've noticed in myself and I've noticed in a lot of very successful people is when they fail, the time they spend dwelling on their failure is minimal at most. <laughs> they fail. Yeah, they're not happy about it. But then it's over and done with and they move on. Whereas the people who are the least happy and the least successful in any realm, they spend a lot of time dwelling. They spend a lot of time just dwelling and being emotional and upset about what didn't go well. And there's nothing wrong with, with spending time thinking about what didn't go well. But when that refractory period extends and extends and extends and takes over days and weeks and months, well, now you're only hurting yourself. Now you're really impeding yourself from becoming the best version of who you could be. So this is, you know, this is maybe where I'll leave it. I think if nothing else from this podcast, I hope you take a couple of things. Number one, analyze your mistakes, critically analyze your mistakes and use them to your advantage and drill them. Whether it's jujitsu, whether it's strength training, whether it's content, whether it's nutrition, whether it's your relationship you're in, analyze the mistakes that you have made, not that other people are making, that you have made and do everything in your power to make sure they never happen again. That's number one. And number two is not if you fail, but when you fail, when you make a mistake, don't spend so much time dwelling on it. We all make mistakes. We all fail. We all screw things up. We all do things we shouldn't do. The question isn't whether or not that's going to happen. Of course it's going to happen. The question is how long are you going to spend dwelling on it? And this is one of the things I think that I can very proudly say that I didn't spend much time dwelling on it. I got right back into the gym. I got right back into training. I analyzed my mistakes and I didn't spend too much time dwelling on not winning and, and dwelling on the stupid mistake that I made. So I'm also very excited to say that I am signed up for my next jujitsu competition. I actually, I signed up for my next jujitsu competition the day after I lost. Literally the very next day, I signed up for the next competition. So the next competition is in Atlanta, Georgia on November 21st. And I'm saying this actually because I don't know what the rules are in terms of who's allowed at the venue. But if you're in Atlanta, Georgia on November 21st and you want to see me compete, I would love to see you there. I don't care if I've never spoken to you before, if you've never met, doesn't matter. If you by chance want to watch this short, bald dude go into this competition in Atlanta, Georgia on November 21st, I would love to meet you. I would love to say hello. And uh, yeah, that'll be it. I'm very, very excited for the second competition, win or lose. Uh, obviously, I would love to win. I'd really like to... <laughs> I really like to win decisively, but win or lose, I know I'm going to learn from it and I cannot wait to update you and tell you how I've done. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. Also DM me on Instagram. If you, if you listen to this podcast, if you liked it, candidly, I'm pretty insecure about this specific podcast in my mind right now. I'm like, I don't think anyone's going to like this one, but we'll see how it goes. Anyway, I'm rambling. Thank you so, so much. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review. Let me know on Instagram and have a wonderful, wonderful day. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.